continuing the series on uh, the gifts in the church and uh, we're starting off the series with the ministry gifts that we're examining in this particular um, grouping of teachings and in the previous teaching we had a look at um, the three categories of gifts that are given to the church we saw there is the the functional gifts that are given to the church as in as listed in romans chapter 12 and 1 corinthians chapter 12 speaks about um, the members of the body of christ and so we said that each individual member of the body of christ has a specific role to play has a function given to them by god and god has set each one of us in the church exactly as it pleased him and uh, we are meant to fulfill our role in the body of christ and so that um, those particular giftings fall under the uh, category of the functional gifts and the examples of those giftings is uh, listed in romans chapter 12 verses 3 to 8 there's the gift of exhortation, the gift of giving, leading, showing mercy. Uh, there's numerous gifts that are listed in throughout the scriptures uh, pertaining to the, the functional gifts. And every single member of the body of Christ does receive at least one gift, functional gift, from the Lord. And it is up to the individual member of the body to seek the Lord, find out what their gifting is, and then begin to operate in that gift and minister that gift to the body of Christ so that she may be edified. And we saw in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, the scripture says, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And then we saw the next category of gifts uh, listed in scripture are in fact the spiritual gifts. And those are the nine gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through to 10. We're not going to go through all of those gifts now because we will go through them later in the series of teachings. But um, those particular gifts are in fact the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Those are all supernatural gifts and they, the Bible speaks in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 that they are the taste of the powers of the age to come. And so that which all saints will partake of in the age to come, those who have received uh, these spiritual gifts in this age begin to taste of those powers um, but will only obviously receive the fullness of those powers only in the age to come and then there's the ministry gifts and we had a look at uh, the, the fact that the scriptures referred to 10 ministry gifts um, and that's in Ephesians chapter 4 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, and then there, within those 10 ministry gifts there are what we call the five main ministry gifts which are the, the gifts of uh, ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher and those are the gifts that we're basically going to concentrate on in this series of teachings but there are the other gifts that are mentioned working of miracles, uh, gifts of healings and tongues and interpretation of tongues those are all ministry gifts as well <coughs> And then we had a look at the fact that um, all ministry gifts have a calling placed upon their lives even before they're born. And they have no choice in the matter. God is the one who decides who will enter into the ministry. Um, and he's obviously decided that right from the beginning of the ages. For God plans all things even before he, and, and, and ends all things before he even begins them. And so God is the one who calls individuals to the ministry. And uh, we saw the importance of the fact that people who are called to the ministry should in fact respond to that calling. And then we also had a look at what is the purpose of the ministry gifts. 
Um, and we saw that the, the ministry gifts by and large are given to the body of Christ to bring her to that point where she can reach full maturity in Christ. Now we can see quite plainly around us that the church has not yet reached that stage. And so all of the ministry gifts are still available to the church and still necessary um, in order to bring her to that place where she can be um, reach her full maturity in Christ. Um, and then the ministry gifts will be done away with because there's no more need for those uh, giftings in the body of Christ. But their primary purpose is to preach the gospel, is to teach the word of God, and in so doing, um, bring the body of Christ to a place of maturity. So that's the purpose of the ministry gifts. And then we also saw that each ministry gift carries its own anointing. And we said that a ministry gift, in fact, is a, a different office. Each one of them has their own office. And we said that it's not a wise thing to try and operate in another man's office. And we went to the Old Testament to have a look at examples. And we saw Korah and his um, companions who were Levites, separated already unto God to serve as Levites, to serve and minister to God and to minister to the children of Israel. But however, they wanted to also become priests. And it could only be the the lineage of Aaron that God had ordained to become priests. And so they said, no, that's, uh, they're all holy unto the Lord, and so they wanted to stand in that office. When they did, God destroyed them by fire. And so we saw that under the Old Covenant, there wasn't too much grace involved. Um, under the New Covenant, it's different. We are under grace, and God does allow us to get out of line from time to time. And then you know, give us time to get back into um, our, our proper walk with the Lord. But nevertheless, eventually judgment does fall even under the new covenant. And we looked at another example. We saw King Uzziah. He was a good king, anointed by God. God had blessed him. God had given him much wisdom. He did a very good job as the king of Israel, the king of Judah. Um, but he got kind of lifted up. He thought, well, if I'm such a good king, I can also... Um, stand in the role of priest I can offer up incense before God he went into the temple to do that um, the, the priest said you're not you're out of line you shouldn't be here and God judged him and he became a leper and he was a leper for the rest of his life and so we said that each ministry gift does have its own calling and anointing God is the one who places the individual into that ministry gift and so it is not wise for one who's called as a pastor to try and become a prophet it's not wise one who's called as a teacher to try and become an apostle because that's not your calling, that's not the anointing you receive from God and God has not ordained that you stand in those offices. And so we need to find out, even the ministry gifts, find out from God which ministry gift, Lord, you've given unto me and then we must function in that gift. And that's where our anointing lies and that's where God will bless us. If we step outside of our ministry gift, well then, we will incur judgment eventually, um, even as Uzziah did, and so we don't want to go down that road. Today we want to have a look at um, a couple of other topics with, relating to the ministry gifts, and then we'll get, in the, in the next series of teachings, we'll get into each individual gift uh, going forward. But we're still laying the groundwork pertaining to all of the ministry gifts, and in exactly how they fit into the body of Christ, how God relates to them and how they in turn are meant to minister to the church. And so we want to have a look at today um, the, the importance of the ministry gifts. So that's maybe not the right terminology, but um, the seniority of the ministry gifts. 
um, we want to look at and see is there such a thing that there is a church government in place that God has put in place and there are ministry gifts that are more senior to other ministry gifts and so other ministry gifts should be subservient to the more senior ministry gifts and so before we discuss the point let's just read our scripture along that line which is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 28 scripture says and God has appointed these in the church first apostles second prophets third teachers after that miracles then gifts of healings helps administration varieties of tongues and there's a, a 10 ministry gifts listed right there um, did I get it right? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 now they need listed today, sorry um, but nevertheless, um, so he, because the, the Apostle Paul said God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, does God mean that the apostle is now the, the most senior gift that there is in the body of Christ, the second most senior gift is the prophet, and the third the teacher, and then after that you get miracles, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Well, on the surface it looks like that is the case. And we look at another scripture in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is where our Lord mentions the five main ministry gifts. And the scripture says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And so he lists them in pretty much the same order. Apostles first, prophets second. But then he slots in between prophet and teacher two other gifts, evangelist and pastor, and then the teacher. But in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, thirdly, teachers. So, you know, did God get a con uh, is he a bit confused about the seniority of his giftings? Because in Ephesians 4, he lists the teacher last out of the five. So, you know, if they are listed in order of seniority, well then, um, pastor and evangelist are more senior than the teacher, teaching gift. But nevertheless, in 1 Corinthians 12, very clearly, God says that uh, he's appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So where's the evangelist and where's the pastor now? Because they're not in that list. And so there is a teaching that goes out and it says, the apostle is the most senior gift in the body of Christ and therefore carries the, um, the most senior um, level of authority in the church. And so all other gifts and obviously the laity underneath them are to be subservient to the apostle and then the, um, the prophet is second so he's the second most senior gift in the body of Christ and so other gifts should be uh, falling under the prophet's ministry but that is not the case at all because again as we said uh, then God got it wrong in, in um, 1 Corinthians 12 because he says the third gift um, he says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. He's very specific about the fact that the teacher's third. But in Ephesians, he puts an evangelist and pastor ahead of the teacher. In Corinthians 12, he doesn't even mention the evangelist and the pastor. So, you know, how's this possible? How, is God confused on the issue? Well, actually, God's not confused on the issue. It's man that gets confused because we take Scripture and we try and apply natural, carnal understanding to the Bible, not being led by the Spirit of God. We'll it is impossible to understand the Word of God unless the Spirit of God reveals it to you, and unless you are 
um, it is spiritually discerned. And that's where a lot of weird doctrine comes into the church is because people read scripture and then they try and understand it carnally with their natural thinking. And so the natural man looks at that and said, okay, apostle, most uh, senior, then the prophet, second senior, then teacher. Okay, God kind of got it wrong. Evangelist and pastor should be in there as well. But that's not the case at all. Um, what in fact, God, how God has listed these gifts is not in order of seniority, but he's listed them in order of importance to the church. Not listed in order of importance uh, per se. So in other words, not the apostle is more important, and so he gets to be the senior. Not at all. The list is in order of importance to the church. Remember, the, remember the ministry gifts are given to the body of Christ. They're not given for any other purpose. So no apostle goes around and brag, bragging to everybody, I'm an apostle of the Lord. Look how special I am. God has used, called me to be an apostle. Not at all. Um, Paul says that the apostles God has placed last of all. And so the ministry gifts are given to the church to serve, to minister to the church. That's what their purpose is. Their purpose is to minister to the Lord's body. Um, the body of Christ is the important issue, not the ministry gift. That's what Paul says. Guys, don't get hung up about, I belong to Apollos, I belong to Paul, I belong to Cephas, I belong... He said, that's rubbish. He said, all things are yours. Whether Paul, whether Apollos, whether Peter, we're, all the ministry gifts belong to the body of Christ. It's not the other way around. So it's not, the Lord has never placed his ministry gifts into the church to lord it over the church. Now they are meant to um, shepherd the church and guide her and lead her as examples to the flock, but never to lord over the church. They're meant to serve the body of Christ. That's what the ministry gifts are there for. So when God lists the ministry gifts in these two passages of Scripture, He's listing them in order of importance to the body of Christ. It's because it's, it's what is necessary for the body of Christ. Now, in, in the light of that, let's have a look at it again. Um, and we'll look at 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 28 again. He says, And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, think about it in light of the fact that the, the ministry gift is given to the body of Christ. And this is the order of importance that she needs these gifts. Got nothing to do with the gift themselves. And so... When we get through the, the, the teaching, you'll understand that the anointing placed upon the ministry gift of the apostle is far greater than the other ministry gifts. There's far more of the spiritual gifts that operate through that particular ministry. Uh, far more revelation comes through that ministry. And so the impact of the of ministry of the apostle has a profound impact on the body of Christ because that, that particular gifting is available to the whole body of Christ. And so do the comparative now. Uh, uh, the gifting of apostle and the gifting of a pastor of a local church. Now think about it from the point of view of importance to the body of Christ. The pastor's ministry that heads up the local church is extremely important for the local church, that particular church. But for the church worldwide, no. The apostle's ministry, on the other hand, has a greater, far greater impact on the church worldwide, should have, if we go back to the book of Acts and we look at what the apostles in fact actually did. And so from that point of view, 
the apostles' ministry is far more important to the body of Christ than the pastor's ministry of a local uh, congregation. Um, purely from the point of view of those, which gift has the greater impact on the body of Christ and is able to bless the whole body of Christ to that degree. The pastor of a local church is very limited in what the amount of blessing he can bring to bear on the whole body of Christ. The apostle who is anointed of God to, to minister to his whole body has a, a huge impact on the body of Christ. And that's why that gifting is more important to the church. Uh, the prophet's ministry is the second most important gifting to the church. Again, as we get into the teaching on the prophet, you will see the prophet's ministry, you will see the impact that that ministry gift has on the body. It is again also a gift that, is, that impacts across the church. It doesn't only reside within one congregation, within one um, local church. Prophets are meant to be moving around the body of Christ and be exposed to the whole body of Christ. And so from that point of view, and also as you'll see when we get into the teaching on the ministry gift of the prophet, the revelation gifts come through that particular ministry and there's a whole lot of blessing that comes through um, from that particular point of view. And so that's another reason why that gifting is more important. Now our Lord lists the, the, the teaching gift as third in his list. So you know, we say that the teaching gift is more important than, or at least let's go leave the, the pastor out and be going after the pastor for a while. But in this listing over here, he says, third teaches after that miracles. So if we are to apply that line of thought to this passage of scripture, what we're saying is that the teaching gift is to, to the church now. That's what we're talking about. The teaching gift is more important to the church than miracles to the to the church and the answer to that question is yes most definitely the church needs to be taught more than she needs to experience miracles now miracles are important and i'm not belittling miracles but in the big scheme of things it is far more important for the church to be taught through the teaching gift than to experience miracles because miracles are, are pretty limited in their duration um, and limited in the impact on the body but a teaching gift that is teaching myriads within the body of Christ has a far greater influence over the body of Christ and an impact on the body of Christ. And so that is the logic of those giftings being listed in those various orders. God has listed his gifts, ministry gifts now, in the order of the importance to the body of Christ. Because again, you have to get the, the concept right that it's all about the church it's not about the ministry gift the ministry gift is there to serve the body of christ to serve the church and that's where that's how god views it not as man carnal thinking says okay well this is the most important one and so because what the carnal believers do then is they say okay uh, somebody they, and, and it happens quite often now in the church it wasn't like it years and years and years ago but now we come into the fore again in the church is a you get every second Tom, Dick and Harry calling themselves an apostle. The reason they do that is because they're wanting to say, I'm the most important person in the church and everybody should be serving and reporting to me and submitting to me because I'm an apostle, I come first. And that's as carnal as you can get. That's as much of a baby believer as you can get. I don't care how, how super spiritual these guys think they are, they call themselves apostles. 
to have that title. They're not. They're, they're baby believers. They are saying that because they want to have this importance in the church. And that's, they're missing it entirely. That's not God. God doesn't look at it. The apostle is meant to be the servant of all. And so, yeah, be that as it may. So this is not church government. The Lord has not put these giftings in that order so that the church can be governed in that order. So in other words, these guys go around and they say, I'm an apostle, so because I'm an apostle, all of your churches must submit to me and must report to me and listen and do whatever I say. That is, as, as I say, that's carnal, that's not spiritual, that's not rightly dividing the word of God. And so that is where that kind of gets miss, misses it. The, the ministry gifts are given to the body of Christ. She, in fact, is the most important one in this whole thing. Um, and so it's not the ministry gift that, that gets to reign. Anybody who calls himself an apostle, they should be servantable. And they should definitely not try and um, exercise dominion over other ministry gifts as well, and also over the church. Um, so... Let's just go through some, some scripture to, to show that ministry gifts do not lord it over other ministry gifts. For who appoints the ministry gift? It comes from the Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ is the one who gives the ministry gift. It doesn't come through man. And so every single ministry gift, it, their head is Christ. And they have to report to Christ. The pastor has to report directly to Christ. He doesn't report to Christ through an apostle. Not at all. And um, the teacher reports directly to Christ because each ministry gift, um, had, the gifting has been given to them by God and God holds them accountable. And they are accountable directly to God for what they do with their ministry gift. They're not held accountable through another ministry gift. So it's not a, there's just nothing in the Bible, in New Testament, that teaches uh, a hierarchy structure that you know you've got your apostles sitting right up top and then everybody goes down below that not at all let's have a look at the scripture galatians chapter 2 1 to 9 just to let us understand this concept because paul understood the concept very well um then after 14 years galatians 2 chapter 1 at 2 verse 1 through to 9 Scripture says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. This is Paul speaking. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Verse 6. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, verse 8, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship of the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles, verse 9, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. And so the context here is that um, Paul and Barnabas were about to be sent out into the ministry um, of the apostle. They, at this point in time, when they go up to Jerusalem, both Barnabas and Paul are still prophets. They're both standing in the ministry gifts of prophet. 
And the, the Holy Spirit reveals to Paul, I want you to go up to Jerusalem and spend time with Peter, James, and John, and I want you to compare Gospels that you guys are preaching. Because neither team had really been exposed to the other's preaching up until now. So Paul didn't know what Peter was preaching. Peter didn't know what Paul was preaching. So the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go and compare notes and make sure you guys are both on the same page. So Paul goes up there and he, and, and they had this, it's a private meeting. It's not a public thing. They get together with just Peter, James and John and Paul's team and they compare gospels and they find out that they're both preaching exactly the same gospel. In fact, Paul is preaching uh, with more revelation knowledge than even Peter, James, and John had because Peter, James, and John recognized this guy's really being uh, anointed of the Lord. But look at what is happening here. You, you've got two prophets going up to sit and compare Gospels with three apostles, Peter, James, and John. Now, uh, John and, and, and uh, Peter were apostles of the Lamb. James wasn't. James was the Lord's brother, but he was nevertheless an apostle. And so you've got two prophets going to compare Gospels with three apostles. And you know, the, the apostles couldn't add anything to the prophets. In fact, the prophets found out that they knew more than the apostles did. And Paul goes on to say, he said, you know, whatever they were, it, it doesn't mean anything to me because God shows no personal favoritism to no man. And so Paul is just recognizing that he was directly accountable to the Lord for his ministry and not through uh, another man's ministry. Even speaking about apostles of the Lamb, Peter and John. Um, and so, you know, Paul was saying, guys, you know, it, it matters not what their title was and what my title is. It matters that both of us are actually uh, held accountable to the Lord. And so Paul understood. And so Paul didn't go up to Jerusalem to get permission from the apostles to preach his gospel that he was preaching. It wasn't the case at all. They were just comparing notes. That's all it was. And so Paul didn't go seek permission. Peter, James, John, can I go out and now preach this? And they gave him his blessing. Yes, my son, you can go forth and preach it. Not at all. Because as we, as we saw in the scripture, Peter, James, and John actually realized, okay, this guy actually knows more than we do. Um, and he's a, he's a prophet. At that time, he stood in the office of prophet. So the more junior ministry, so to speak, was more knowledgeable than the more senior ministry, uh, so to speak. But it just highlights the fact that it isn't any seniority or junior, juniorness, that's not the right word, but anyway, um, within the ministry gifts. Because every single ministry gift is directly accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ and not through another ministry gift. Paul understood the concept very clearly, and we need to understand that concept as well. Because otherwise, we, the churches get themselves into quite a mix-up, you know, because you see people coming along and saying, I'm an apostle, so this pastor needs to now listen to what I say. And the pastor kind of buys that hook, line, and sinker, and God's actually saying to that pastor, whoa, 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 I've called you to, to shepherd that flock, and you know, I'm holding you accountable. But uh, so it, it, we need to get this, this um, structure very right. Again, Paul does exactly the same thing, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. The scripture says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I was stood into his face because he was to be blamed. Now Peter had gotten out of hand and he started to defer to the Jews and um, so he was not really walking, he was walking in, in hypocrisy. Paul tackles him. Now Paul is, again, the junior apostle. Peter is the senior apostle, the apostle of the Lamb. But he has a junior apostle taking on the senior apostle of the Lamb and bringing him to task. 
Um, but it, it, I, Paul could do that because Paul recognized there isn't such a thing as one ministry gift being more senior than another. And that all the ministry gifts can hold each other to an account if that whatever ministry gift gets out of line. So a pastor could pull an apostle up and say, wait a minute, you're out of line. And vice versa, because as I say, in the body of Christ, there is no such thing as the seniority thing. Uh, as one ministry gift, Lord in it, over another ministry gift. Um, again, when they in Acts chapter 15, when they all went up to Jerusalem to have a look at, at the, the, the false teaching that was brought into the church, that uh, the Gentiles now needed to observe the law of Moses and be circumcised in order to be saved. They had that whole conference. Now in that conference, <coughs> Uh, they came up with the, the solution and, and the Holy Spirit led the way. What happened is that the, the conference sent two prophets to confirm what the apostles were teaching. So the apostles, if they were more senior, the church wouldn't have sent two junior ministry gifts to confirm the apostles' ministry uh, teaching. That's not the case at all. They would have sent a more senior, but they sent um, Judas and Silas, and both of them were prophets. At the same time, Barnabas and Paul were apostles. So yeah, again, there's just no seniority in the ministry gifts. The way that the ministry gifts operate is there are gifts that are more important to the body of Christ because she needs access to those gifts more than she needs access to other gifts. And so God always lists his ministry gifts in order of importance to the body of Christ never in order of seniority in the body of Christ. That's never been God's intention. And as I say, it's always carnal believers that interpret that scripture that way because they want to be important. And they want to have hold, they want to be like the Pharisees, have the best seats in the synagogue, have the best of, of being treated like royalty in the body of Christ. And that's not the way it works. Because again, as Paul said, you want to be important. Our Lord said, you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're going to become servant of all. And so the guys miss it completely by trying to go the other way around. But you can see the, the carnality coming through. You can see the natural thinking coming through because they try and take what the world uses and the world works in, in that way. You get the guys that are right on top. They're the most important. They get all the best seats. They get all the best uh, whatever. And the guys are right at the bottom get nothing. Well, in the body of Christ, it's the other way around. The church is the most important because she's the bride of Christ and the apostle is the, is the servant of that church. And he's right at the bottom as far as the Lord is concerned. And that's the way the church should, in fact, operate. Now, there are, there's other aspects to the ministry gifts. Don't misunderstand me, but I'm just kind of debunking the wrong teaching out there that the gifts are listed in order of importance, um, in order of seniority. They're not. They're listed in order of importance to the body of Christ. That's the order. And then Paul, just one more uh, scripture to confirm this whole thing. 2 Corinthians 11.5, he says, For I consider I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostle. And as Paul is saying, guys, you know, there's not any apostle out there. Think who was out there at the time. Peter, James, John. There were some very serious apostles out there. Paul said, I'm not inferior to any of them. Because Paul understood the concept that all ministry gifts are directly responsible and accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ. And not through other ministry gifts to get to the Lord. Not the case at all. Having said that, 
ministry gifts do have authority in the body of Christ. And that's a very important truth that we also need to understand. Now, this is not a truth that is very widely understood in the church and certainly not practiced in the church. We don't see it at all, really. Um, but nevertheless, it was present in the early church and should be present in the church today. And I suppose as uh, the church starts to grow up and more uh, um, teaching from the Lord does get out into his body, so we will see this come into pass as well. First scripture we can look at is in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 10. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, Therefore I write these things, being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness, why? According to the authority which the Lord has given me for edification and not for destruction. Now on more than one occasion, I've only quoted one, but you can go look it up, more than one occasion, Paul talks about the fact that the Lord had given him authority in the church for her edification, not for her destruction. So what is he alluding to here? He's saying, guys, in context, the church at Corinth, there were some people there that had started to question Paul's authority as an apostle. Now, again, as I say, the ministry gifts do have authority in the body of Christ, but they don't lord over the body of Christ. And so we're looking at the authority that goes with the ministry gift now, because although we're looking at Paul as the apostle, this particular authority given to the apostle is also given to every single ministry gift out there. Um, but it's given to the, ch uh, the, the, the ministry gift for the, the church's edification and not for her destruction. So in other words, it's not to be abused. It's to be used to edify the body of Christ. So how does it work? Well, church at Corinth, there were some guys that were in that church that started to question Paul's authority and also, you know, what, what Paul actually teaching us. We, we know some things that he doesn't know, kind of. So Paul says to the guys, and I'm paraphrasing, you can go read the book of Corinthians, you'll see it. Um, Paul says, you know, guys, you guys, some of you are out of line. You, you're getting off into sin and you're thinking that this is okay and it's not okay. And so what he's saying here, he says, therefore, I write these things, being absent, less present I should use sharpness according to the authority which the Lord has given me. And so Paul recognized that the Lord had given him authority and it would be a, a case of sharpness being used on the body of Christ. So in other words, when a ministry gift, and forget about apostle now we're talking, because again, people get confused, they think it's only, this authority is only with the apostle, not at all. This authority is with every ministry gift out there. Um, the fact that he uses, he said, being present, I should use sharpness according to the authority, indicates that it's not a very pleasant thing to encounter the sharpness of the authority of a ministry gift because there's going to be a consequence involved. And so it's not going to be a pleasant experience to encounter um, the authority of a ministry gift. So let's get a bit more expansion on that because that's what we're wanting to explore right now. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13 to 16. Uh, so he, Paul is now just expanding on what I've kind of alluded to already. And he says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you. For it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things beyond measure, that is not in another man's labor. But having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of accomplishment. 
So what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture is saying the ministry gifts have their own sphere of uh, influence, have their own sphere of authority. And uh, the church at Corinth fell under Paul's sphere of influence and his sphere of authority because he had planted that church. He started that church, and so that church uh, God had given to him to be included in his sphere of influence. And so Paul could exercise his authority um, over that particular church. But Paul recognized that he can't extend his authority um, all over the place because God hadn't included other churches, and there were many churches that Paul planted, and each one of those churches fell within his sphere of authority. But there were other churches that Paul hadn't planted, and he hadn't been instrumental in developing those churches, and so he couldn't exercise authority in those churches. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 to 2, he says, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And so Paul is saying, now when he said I'm not an apostle to others, it didn't mean that Paul could only preach as an apostle in the churches that he'd started, but if he went to visit another church, well then he wasn't an apostle anymore. That's not the case at all. He would be an apostle no matter where he went, because he was called of the Lord for that ministry. But what he's saying is that his uh, area of authority as an apostle didn't extend to other churches that he was not instrumental in planting and developing. That fell under the authority of somebody else, whoever had started those particular churches. And so Paul recognized where the area of authority um, that the Lord had given to the ministry gifts um, reached. In other words, there's a limit to that authority. So one who is an apostle in the church doesn't have authority of the whole church, not at all. Only has authority in the churches that God uses them to impact on. And vice versa, like an, a pastor would only have authority over his local flock and not go, be able to go into somebody else's church and say, because I'm a pastor, I'm going to exercise authority over your flock as well. No, not at all. Um, each one, each ministry gift has their own sphere of influence appointed to them by God. And what God does is He brings into that ministry gift sphere of influence those whom the Lord wants to be ministered to through that gift. That's how God operates. And so their level of authority extends over those individuals that God then brings into their ministry. That's why Paul said, If I'm not an apostle unto others, dead, doubtless I am an apostle unto you. Now, what is this um, level of authority? What, what does it actually mean? Because Paul alludes to it. He says, I'm going to use sharpness on these guys. Um, and God's given me this authority for your edification, not for your destruction. So it's not a case of that authority is used to go, you know, climb into the church and you know, just destroy whatever God is building. Not at all. It, it, the, the authority is given to build up. That's, that's the purpose of it. But sharpness indicates that it's not a pleasant encounter. So let's have a look at another scripture where Paul again talks about this particular authority. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Paul writing again, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some, who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh... 
we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Do you look at things according to their outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ's, even so we are Christ's. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave me for edification, not for your destruction. There he goes, he's saying the same thing again. I shall not be ashamed, lest I seem to terrify you by letters. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such we will also be indeed when we are present. So Paul is saying, you guys have got some weird people in your church who are starting to get out of line. And I've written to you and I've told you to get your act together and you're not getting it right. And so I'm going to come there and I'm going to use the authority and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And he talks about the fact that it's to punish disobedience once the obedience is fulfilled. So when a ministry gift uses the authority in this area, and we'll touch and we'll get expand on it a little bit more, um, he, that ministry gift only uses the authority over those whose obedience is fulfilled. So in other words, he's not over baby Christians, because baby Christians are baby Christians, they're going to behave like baby Christians, and so you don't you know, punish baby Christians. You don't punish babies in the, in the natural, so you certainly don't punish babies in the spiritual either. But he's talking about those who are mature believers. And if you guys get out of line, I have been given this authority by the Lord uh, to use certain weapons. And my weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, um, um, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ being ready to punish all disobedience. And so here he's got people in the church of Corinth that are starting to argue against what Paul's preaching, saying, well, we know better. Um, you know, what Paul's preaching is actually rubbish. We've got, a, we've got a better idea about this whole thing. And Paul said, whoa, 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 whoa. The weapons given to me by my Lord are mighty through God, and they are meant to cast down arguments and all the high things that you guys are exalting against the knowledge of God. So all this weird stuff that you're starting to proclaim, I'll have to deal with it. And I've got the weaponry to do it. And I've got the authority to do it. My Lord Jesus has given me this authority for the church's edification, not for her destruction. And so he's saying that I will use it. Don't make me use it, but I will use it. It's kind of a threat that he's saying, but he said, I'll, I'll do it, guys. Um, and you really don't want to push me to that point, but I will do it. He says, I'm ready to punish all disobedience on those whose obedience is already fulfilled. So he's talking about the guys who are mature in the Lord and are starting to do some strange things. And Paul says, the ministry gifts have the ability, have been given that authority, um, and have been given that weaponry to deal with the issue. So what is the weaponry that uh, Paul is talking about? Well, let's have a look at one example of that weaponry that uh, our Lord, uh, Paul spoke about. Well, our Lord through Paul. 1 Timothy 1 verse 18 and 20, uh, Paul speaking, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. 
having faith and a good conscience, which some have been rejected, concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hermanius and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And so here Paul is dealing with two individuals in the church. Now these guys were not uh, laity in the church, these were uh, teachers in the church, and they had started to teach some weird doctrine. Paul had admonished them and said, guys, you're out of line, you need to stop this nonsense. They had ignored Paul. And so what Paul had done is what he had threatened to do in the church at Corinth. He had used the weapons of his warfare, which were not carnal but mighty in God. And what was the weaponry that he used? He delivered these two individuals over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. Now, as a result of Paul delivering these two individuals over to Satan, their lives had become a shipwreck. They, 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 their lives are completely uh, turned upside down because Satan was allowed into their lives to cause havoc. Now, Satan was not allowed into their lives to, uh, to kill them. You recall that one incident in the church at Corinth, Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, handed over an individual in the church to Satan for his destruction of his flesh. So in other words, that individual was going to incur an early death because that individual had also gotten off into sexual immorality, wouldn't uh, repent, and so Paul brought judgment to bear. In this case over here, Paul had obviously dealt with these two individuals. They were teachers in the church. We're not talking about baby Christians. And they were teaching weird doctrine. And Paul had dealt with them, and they refused to change. And so Paul handed them over to Satan so that they may learn not to blaspheme. What happened was Satan went into their lives, caused havoc. Their lives had become like a shipwreck. Um, so they could learn, and so they weren't, you know, Paul did, had placed constraints upon Satan and said, you can do this in their lives, but you can't do that. That's just like how God operated with Job, remember? He said to, to Satan, all right, you can do this to Job, but you can't touch his body. And then the next time he said, you can touch his body, but you can't touch his life. And so that's the kind of progression that God used and has imparted that self-same authority to his ministry gifts to deal with this issue in the body of Christ. And so this, this authority given to the, the ministry gifts are given to all of the ministry gifts and the authority is to be exercised over the laity by and large, but the mature believers out there, not, never the baby believers. That's never used for that purpose. It's only used against mature believers who refuse to repent and refuse to come back in line. And so, you know, they're just going to go out and do their own thing. This is where this authority comes in. And the weapon that Paul was talking about is we use Satan. The, the ministry gifts are allowed to have access to Satan's power. When I say access to Satan's power, they hand the individual over to Satan. They say, Satan, you um, can do this in their lives, you cannot do that. And so that's what Satan does. Um, because he comes, the thief, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he goes out and he does his part. But he is mandated to do that through the ministry gifts because God has given them that authority in the church for her edification and not for her destruction. And so if the ministry gifts perceives that this mature believer is being disobedient and refuses after counseling and after, you know, let's get you back on the right path, and they perceive that the path that they're on is going to lead them to the road to destruction. Well, then God's given them the authority to bring you know, pain into their life, sharpness, in order to get them to repent and turn around and get back in the line. That's what that authority is for. Let's look at another account in Scripture where that authority was used by the Apostle Peter, um, and it, 
what happened here was what happened in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, where that individual was handed over to Satan for early death. And this is exactly the same thing here. But what happened is God used it to also teach his church. So let's read the account. Acts chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed these last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. In verse 7. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold this land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carried her out buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. And so here's Peter doing exactly what Paul did as well uh, to those two uh, chaps that he spoke about when he wrote to Timothy. And the thing that he, 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 he threatened to do to the guy in the church of Corinth is that Peter had judged these guys. Uh, now, in judging them, they, they incurred uh, early death. They went straight to the Lord. They, you know, they, they, they didn't lose their salvation. They were just disciplined by God um, through the authority of his apostle because his apostle was used of the, of the Lord to discipline those two saints who were completely out of line. But look at the impact that it has. The whole church, the scripture says, so great fear came upon all the church and all who heard these things. Because now the church realized, whoa, 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 this is actually quite serious. We actually have to, this is not something to play around with, you know. We need to take this, our walk uh, with our Lord seriously, and we can't treat it lightly. Um, now, if the, if the ministry gifts were to start operating in this authority in the church today, we would have myriads out there who would uh, be dropping. But hey, the Lord's gracious, and so he's bringing his bride to maturity. But as we get closer to maturity, what we will see is more of the ministry gifts displaying this authority in the church. Not for her destruction, for her edification. And that's what happened in this case here. Ananias and Sapphira, they were judged, they went straight to be with the Lord. Um, and they incurred penalty because on their day of judgment, they're not going to have rewards coming forthcoming because they were out of line. But they're still saved, nevertheless. But look at the, the edification that the church received because the Bible says uh, great fear came upon all the church. And so the church started to walk in a little bit more holiness than she had been walking in up until that point because they realized that, whoa, the Lord's ministry gifts do have this kind of authority. And better we start obeying our Lord and not playing around with this type of thing. And so that's what Paul said. Guys, you don't really want to push my button on this issue because God's given me this authority, not for your destruction, but for your edification. But I will use it if you push me. And it's used to punish disobedience. Only when Christians have reached full obedience, in other words, they are mature in the Lord, then the Lord uses it. And just two scriptures we can have a look at to show that 
because people say, okay, well, that, that authority is really for the apostles. No, it's not. Um, Titus 2.15, Paul speaking to that young minister, and Timothy, Titus was not an apostle. Scripture says, speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. And so Paul's just admonishing Titus, you've got the same authority that I have in the body of Christ. And to Timothy, he says the same thing. To 1 Timothy 4.11 and 12, he says, these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And so this particular authority is given by the Lord Jesus Christ to his ministry gifts um, for the edification of the church, not for her destruction. And I think you kind of understood where I'm going, that it's not to be used on baby Christians. And obviously the the ministry gifts themselves must be walking in a a substantial degree of maturity themselves in order to be able to exercise these gifts, because God's not mocked. So from the point of view, you're not going to let an immature ministry gift use authority over the body of Christ, because they will then obviously get it wrong and use it for the church's destruction, and God won't allow that. So yes, it's, um, it's only ministry gifts that are pretty mature in the Lord that God allows them to walk in this level of authority. But nevertheless, the authority is given to the ministry gift for that purpose. And the weapon of, our, of their warfare is in fact Satan. Um, they get to use Satan in disciplining the church. That's the, the gist of it. And then another area I just want to touch on, then we're going to close off today's teaching. And that is ministry gifts and spiritual gifts. Now, all of the ministry gifts, and there's the ten, but we're concentrating on the five, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. All of those ministry gifts should have some of the spiritual gifts operating with those ministry gifts. So what do I mean by that? Well, one is called to the office of prophet. Okay, so remember I said right at the outset of this teaching that the ministry gives their primary role, the primary function that each one of them uh, serve is they're meant to preach and teach the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God. That's their primary function. And so you get the, the office of the prophet. Along with his office of ministering to the body of Christ through the teaching of the word of God, he also has one other spiritual gift, and that is the gift of prophecy. Go, he has to have that. So one who is called to the office of prophet will also have the spiritual gift of prophecy tagged on to that ministry gift. Now, the spiritual gift of prophecy is not tagged on the moment he gets his ministry gift. Because don't forget, the ministry gift is given by the Lord before the individual is even born. And so before they're born, that gift is given to them. It's just made manifest through them at a later stage in their lives. Spiritual gifts, as we get into that series of teachings, you'll understand, are not given uh, to anybody right up front. Spiritual gifts are given to the individual um, as they need, as they are full of the criteria to receive a spiritual gift from the Lord. One of the nine that we kind of listed in, in yesterday's teaching. And so that gift of prophet, so you get a, somebody's called as a prophet, and so they grow up, they get into, into the ministry, and they're a prophet, okay? But they're not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that happens. You get people that are called to the ministry and they, they do in the ministry, but they haven't yet experienced the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Now, you cannot receive the gifts of the Spirit 
without, and I'm talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit. You cannot receive any of those gifts without having been filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other, other tongues. So you do have prophets that are out there who do not have the gift of prophecy. Why is that? Because they have not yet been exposed to being filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized and speaking in other tongues. And it's only after they've taken that step that they then make themselves available to be able to receive the spiritual gifts that go with the ministry gifts. I hope you understand um, the concept of how that actually does work. Um, so let's just try to explain it from this point of view. Let's, in Luke chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Scripture says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, talking about our Lord Jesus, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. And those are the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, they had been called by God before they were born. You can go through the, yesterday's teaching, you'll pick up on that point. And so they were really called, but now Jesus had now put them into the office of apostle. But none of them had yet received any of the spiritual gifts. Now, I know there was a time when our Lord gave them authority and power to go out and heal and cast out demons. But that was all that he, and they got that authority and power directly from the Lord. It wasn't the Holy Spirit imparting that gift to them. Um, so, they're the apostles of the Lamb. There's, they are apostles, but they haven't yet received any spiritual gifts. And our Lord speaks to them about the issue in Luke 24, verse 49. He says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And so here you've got the 12 apostles of the Lamb. They are, they, they've received their ministry gift from the Lord as apostles, but they have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues, and they have not yet received any spiritual gift. Only subsequently to them being baptized in the Holy Spirit do we see the gifts of the Spirit being displayed through the apostles, like Peter, for argument's sake. Um, he, he, the gift of, of, of faith, special faith, was manifest through his ministry uh, when he went to pray at the ninth hour prayer with John. The guy, remember, and the guy, beautiful, he speak, speaks to the guy, says, you know, silver and gold I do not have, but that which I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he pulls the guy up, and the guy is he instantly healed. He was a cripple from his mother's womb, 40 years old, never walked. And Peter did that because the gift of faith, had take, he'd received that after the day of Pentecost. Before that, Peter could never do that because he didn't have that gift operating through his ministry. But after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, then those particular gifts started making, being made manifest through him. When Paul met, uh, met the 12 disciples in Ephesus, and he laid hands on them to be filled with the Holy Spirit after he led them to the Lord, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke with the other tongues, and they prophesied. But they prophesied after they spoke with the other tongues. So spiritual gifts, those nine spiritual gifts listed in the book of Corinthians chapter 12, are only made manifest after one has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So it is possible for ministry gifts to operate in their ministry gifts, but never have any spiritual gifts operating through their ministries because they've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll give you a classic example. Okay, so if you go study scripture, the, the only scripture that a biblical account given to us of an evangelist in the book of Acts is Philip. He's the only one referred to as an evangelist. And he had gifts of healings and working of miracles operating through his ministry. And so when you look at the, the gift of the evangelist, that is one of the primary giftings that should be made manifest through the ministry gift of the evangelist. 
because they need it. They need to go out and work miracles so that people can see the, the power of God is real and turn to God. That's, that's their calling. And so that is the spiritual gift that is uh, tagged on to the ministry gift of the evangelist. And I've already mentioned prophecies tagged on to the uh, ministry gift of the prophet. And we're not going to get into the ministry gifts in any kind of detail. As we go through the series, you will see all the various spiritual gifts that get tagged on to the various ministry gifts. But it is possible, as I say, for one who's called to the ministry, have respond to that ministry call, never having any spiritual gift be made manifest through them. Why is that? Because they have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And so they don't get access to the spiritual gifts that they should have operating through their ministries. And so another classic example would be the evangelist Billy Graham being exceptionally effective as an evangelist. He has led millions to the body of Christ. Um, but he has no spiritual gifts being made manifest through his ministry. Never had. Why? Because he's never been baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. And so the, the, the spiritual gifts that were available to Philip the evangelist were also available to Billy Graham the evangelist, but he never de demonstrated them because he didn't take that one step of being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and then allowing the Lord to add the spiritual gifts to him that would have enhanced his ministry. So his ministry was very effective. But just think how much more effective it could have been had he walked in the same kind of anointing that Philip did. I'm just putting it out there. And just to illustrate the point that it is very possible for one to be in the ministry answering your ministry gift calling and yet display no spiritual gifts through your ministry purely because you haven't yet been exposed to the power of God in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I hope you've understood the concept there. And I'm going to end the teaching on that particular point that I will continue in the next teaching along uh, this line of the ministry guest. We'll end it on that point today. Amen.